Today on our Tech for Business podcast, we're joined by Nate, our Director of Cybersecurity, and Andrew, our Security Incident Response Team Lead. This week, we're continuing incident scenarios and proactive measures you can take to prevent them. All personal information has been changed to protect confidentiality. Before we dive in, um, just first up top, is there any terminology we need so that we can fully understand today's podcast? And then if there was kind of a number one thing um, someone can do to prevent what we're talking about today, what that might be. <laughs> I can I can talk. Yeah. Um, one of the acronyms that comes to mind is going to be BEC, Business Email Compromise. Um, attacker logs in, gets into your email. Um, Another one is IC3, and now I don't know the off the top of my head, so Nate, back me up. Internet <laughs> Crime and Complaint Center. That one. Okay. It's um, in the FBI. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't, yeah. Anyway, um, prevention. Uh, specifically about uh, email compromises, um, two huge things you can do is MFA and security awareness training. Um, you're teaching users how to react when they maybe get a phishing email, get a room, get a document they're not expecting. Um, as well as, you know, not reusing passwords, you know, uh, don't accept random MFA prompts, um, things like that. Um, those are two huge things I think are very easy to implement that um, can give you a very good layer of protection. Thanks. So obviously we are changing the names um, and information just to protect the innocent in this, um, but I, um, I think Andrew kind of wanted to jump in maybe and share our first scenario. Yeah. So similar to our uh, third organization from uh, last week's um, podcast, this one is an actual compromise. Uh, the user's mailbox, uh, a wire transfer had gone out. Um, the attacker had gotten into a mailbox and saw that the CEO was traveling. And during that time, the CEO was in the air flying to China. Um, they requested a wire transfer for uh, $283,000. Um, the What ended up tipping it off um, was they came back for seconds for a second wire transfer and the user who sent the first wire transfer um, asked about the original wire transfer um, uh, when the second one was going through. And so the CEO was like, nope, that wasn't me. I didn't ask for any of that. And unfortunately, they did lose um, $283,000, but um, it was a very painful learning experience. Yeah, the kind of the, the core outcome of that one was that um, when that CEO is traveling, um, and the threat actor knew that they were on the plane and said, I have a a business deal that I need to close up before I get home. Um, one of the big tip-offs there, if you ever see something like that, is that be cautious of anything that ins instills some type of uh, urgency or action on your behalf or makes you emotional or something along those lines. It's one of the best indicators of some type of malicious email because they're trying to play to the emotions, which I'm not going to get into uh, psychology or anything like that or neuroscience, but 
when you start getting emotional, you tend to, tend to start cutting off that uh, frontal lobe and the, the logical nature of it, and you start acting a lot more quickly. So threat actors intentionally play into that. So um, biggest thing, just be aware if you get emotional reading an email. Uh, maybe not that someone's just mean, but if it's instill some type of action. The Another thing um, that I didn't talk about as far as the protection goes, uh, when it comes to wire transfers, when it comes to bank account information changes, verify in two different ways. Um, you know, yeah, you received an email, talk to the person in person, call them from a known phone number, not in the email, but somewhere like, you know, you had them on speed dial, you had them in your, uh, your Rolodex, whatever. Um, contact them in a separate way outside of that email. Um, CIT, what we do is if, you know, a person has to change their bank account information, um, they say they change banks. Uh, we or we send the their paycheck in uh, in a through snail mail. Um, so then it, you know, user has a paper check in their mailbox. It's kind of an immediate tip off that maybe I didn't request this, and then things can be changed. When you said Rolodex, I was thinking the old Palm Pilots, you know, with the little stylus. But, you know, <laughs> no, no, even older, yeah. smartphones. Even older, the ones that you turn. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> So, um, yeah, uh, kind of org five, you know, just a second incident where we had a email compromise. Um, someone sat in the mailbox for quite some time, uh, similar to uh, last week when we talked about they can sometimes sit there for weeks or months just waiting for the perfect opportunity uh, to capture some type of uh, desirable wire transfer. Um, we had another organization that called us saying, I'm I'm really concerned. Uh, actually, this is last week I talked about um, we've had people crying on the phone. Uh, this was uh, one of the business owners. He called and was legit crying because he just lost $528,000 due to a fraudulent wire transfer. Um, it's devastating to hear someone going through that stress, uh, but being able to say, well, at least start taking the proper actions to help you out. Um, you know, now, CIT, we can't guarantee you'll get those funds, right? They've already been sent off. Now that's up to the banks and, you know, the government and everything like that to help you out. Um, but we helped them navigate the federal reporting. So when Andrew had mentioned the IC3 or Internet Crime and Complaint Center, um, that is the FDI's division to report some type of cybercrime. Um, they don't always get back to you, right? Sometimes if it's a very, very minimal thing, like I got compromised on my email. They, you probably never will hear from it. In this case, because it was a over $500,000 and it was to a different nation, uh, the FBI was really engaged in that one and reached out and started working with them. You know, where was the wire transfer sent? What's your bank account info? Everything like that. Um, they were actually able to stop that fund while I was traveling through some Canadian banks over to China. Um, and they actually received all that money back. Um, so my biggest takeaway there is, even though it was processed, there is a chance you may still get it back. Now, there's no guarantees, right? We we heard in the last example from Andrew that they didn't get that back. They lost a quarter million dollars. Um, in this case, they got the half million dollars back, um, but it required federal intervention. And at that point, I'm assuming multiple nations to be able to coordinate that between all the different banks. So.
as you're talking about that, I do want to add a little bonus one. Maybe this is more of the close call, but it would have been a successful wire transfer. Um, I don't remember all the details of it, but um, let me step back a little bit. When a wire transfer goes through the attackers, they will normally, uh, it, it's to an account that they have control of, then they're going to hop it like multiple times to multiple different banks all around the world. So it makes it very, it makes it impossible to pull it back. And then the last hop transfers to Bitcoin and it's gone. Um, the attacker in this bonus close call, I guess, um, they had mistyped the bank account information by one digit. And I think it's like $40,000 or something like that. But that one single mistype froze the funds because it was an incorrect bank account. Um, and so the people did get the money back, but it was the attacker mistyping, which saved them. Human error, man. <laughs> <laughs> Human error never happens, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I feel like we're, I feel like this month is all about, you know, it's October. We got some scary stories going on, um, but most important. So what do we do as a business? What are kind of the key takeaways from this week's information? What do we set up so that we're not in this situation? And then I kind of a second part is, you know, if this happens, um, why it might be important to slow down i think people kind of speed through a situation like this if it's happening to them i think the the first thing that comes to mind um so one of the best words of advice i've ever had for how do you best protect a network and it's focusing on where the prevention failures have happened in the past and when you take a look at both of these successful wire transfer attempts um they both failed because there was an account compromise in their email first. Um, and so the first prevention failure is that the employee fell for a phishing email and gave up their credentials, right? So that means that there's additional employee training that has to happen in that environment. The second prevention failure was that I believe in both of these cases, they didn't have multi-factor enabled. Um, the I don't remember about the other one with the uh, the mistype on the the wire transfer, but I believe in two of the cases they didn't have multi-factor, um, and even if they did, they still maybe accepted that multi-factor push um, to still allow someone in. So regardless, someone had to make their way into that mailbox to start monitoring uh, those activities and you know wire transfer requests, and so. That's the biggest thing was multi-factor, multi-factor, multi-factor. Um, I literally have glasses that say multi-factor everything. It's that important. Um, and then, you know, Andrew, you kind of mentioned it before about the verifying wire transfers, but maybe, I don't know if you want to reiterate anything else there. Yeah. Um, if something doesn't sit right, question it. Um, you know, CEO, CEO uh, says, hey, I can't talk right now. Can you please do this? verify it you know nothing is going to be um needed in the next two minutes that you can't maybe ask a question of one of your coworkers or ask you know maybe the ceo secretary just ask questions if something doesn't feel right because it's worth the extra time to verify who you're talking to or verify the legitimacy before you complete a request. Um, and that's, as Nate had mentioned before, it's they, the attackers bring in the emotional um, urgency. I need this now, my cat died, whatever, you know, make you feel good, feel bad, whatever. Um, so if something doesn't sit right, 
um, verify it. I, I just thought of one thing. Um, this also comes in multiple flavors. Uh, so we keep talking about just business to business wire transfer attempts. Um, if you're an HR individual, one of the most common things that we see here is um, someone spoofing one of your employees, uh, emailing HR and saying, I want to change my payroll um, to a new bank account and HR not validating that that employee actually wants to change their bank account. Oftentimes they just go, yep, it looks like it came from their email, but it was spoofed uh, from some other you know, email address. And then they just go in and process it. And all of a sudden the employee says, well, where's my paycheck? And then they start finding out. So it doesn't just have to be bank or business to business transfers. It can be internal. So if you are in HR payroll, be very careful with those ones as well. Thanks to Nate and Andrew for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, reach out to us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website, cit-net.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week with more incident scenarios.